All right, that was in honor of Jamaican Independence Day. We are Did back. Did you say anything? <laughs> Did y'all not hear it? No. <laughs> All I saw was Henry's face. <laughs> I didn't hear anything either. Yeah, I'm like, what but I thought doing? maybe like, I wasn't on the audio link for that. <laughs> well, I'm leaving this in because we're still recording. Anywho, I was playing a song. I wonder if the listeners will actually be able to hear it. But anywho, thank you for both all of you letting me know. This is episode number 55. Once again, Henry, Noah, myself, and Mackenzie. And I will let Henry introduce our special guest this time. Well, it seemed like we come to look at it today, but we're going to fix it up, y'all. Uh, so this is uh, my Neo, uh, Little, my man's from Howard University. Um, he's currently attending Howard Law School. Uh, he's a smart guy. Might be your senator one day. <laughs> but Jameson, uh, you know, you can do a little spill on yourself. Wow, I love the uh, <laughs> the high aspirations in the intro. But hello, yeah, my name is Jameson. Uh, as Henry said, I am a, you know, current incoming uh, first-year law student at Howard, Uni- uh, at Howard University School of Law. And uh, yeah, I'm coming here today rep- uh, representing the Sunrise Movement. Uh, especially uh, the DC Hub, the Sunrise Movement, for those of you who don't know. We are a collection of youth activists who are fighting for a world of climate justice and, in fact, imparting a Green New Deal. Awesome. All right. You so have we, a great voice. You have, like, a, a podcast voice, I guess. You do. Like, oh, thank you. <laughs> so we're going to get into the first topic. So as you all know, there's still an election going on. News is happening every day. The most important thing that happened besides a recent slip up by Biden today, which we can also- Is is it still a slip up at this point? At this point. Well, we can can contrast the good and the bad. So Biden recently released a HBCU plan. Um, Last week, he released his plan that was aimed at achieving racial equity for black and brown communities and specifically targets uh, historically black colleges and minority serving institutions. The plan uh, proposes that students would receive tuition-free access to four-year HBCUs and MSIs if their families earn below $125,000. Biden is also proposing forgiving all federal student debt for public colleges and private HBCUs as well as MSIs for individuals earning up to $125,000. So can this increase enthusiasm in his campaign or will his recent comments about Black people. Uh, 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 uh. Before yeah, we policy wise, this is good. Before we get into that, what are MSIs? Minorities, minority serving institutions. So, like, like those who are of Latino descent, they have institutions. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, okay, a- well, Asian Pacific Islander stuff like that. Okay, okay. Well, let's let our guests take a shot first before we give our opinions. <laughs> Uh, you know, I love policy. I care about a, a politician's policy 10 times more than what they say. Uh, and, and yeah, I think policy-wise, this is a good plan, but I do not believe Biden is uh, the person to really market this well. Uh, people don't really see him as trustworthy in when it comes to economic justice issues as someone who, of course, was the uh, pioneer and author of the bank bill, which is a reason a lot of students have like such crushing, debilitating student debt. And the bankruptcy bill made it harder to get rid of that debt. So I do think that this is a small step in the right direction for the harm that he's caused. But I do think uh, considering some of his past records, he should be going a lot further. 
Henry, I know you were firing off. <laughs> um, how say you? Because I think, uh, like Jameson said, this is a step in the right direction. It's just Biden can't seem to get over his own his own self. And that's what it is for me. It's like 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 we're all saying, it's a step in the right direction. Of course, it like it helps. You know, what I'm saying that whole thing where I think black people as a whole right now are like encourage going to HBCUs and supporting black business and blah, blah, blah. How we have like one of the number one recruits coming to Howard and all of them consider other schools. I think this al- aligns that kind of, you know what I'm saying? Same movement and momentum. So maybe if people are thinking about that, yeah, sure, cool. But I think that at the forefront of people's mind is like Biden is like a F up. Like, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I'm not sorry. He needs to be sorry because it's like he continues to do the same stupid stuff. And like we said last time, I think we said at the time before that, who the heck is on his campaign, like controlling the communications, the media, the publicity of this stuff? Because but we know who was on it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the point is, like, why are y'all allowing this man to keep continue to say this? And the thing is, like, you're going against your core, like, supporters here right like you continue to say things to trigger them so i don't understand like what is like what is it bro like what for real what is like what's up i I think about this is like like you all say he should just be doing so much more than this because like getting kids or students to go to HBCUs, I don't know, like, I know we talk amongst ourselves about, you know, getting more Black people to go to HBCUs versus PWIs, but, like, enrollment, at least in my experience at Howard, I don't think enrollment was the issue. Well, it would never. <laughs> like, enrollment no. wasn't yeah. the issue. That's not the issue. Yeah, I mean, having the funds, being able to afford the institution. That's what I'm about to say. If we point, pinpointed on what Jameson was talking about, how, like, this uh, goes into, like, student debt, and like in some way obtaining wealth in America, this helps out in that way. You know what I'm saying? We people don't have to go to these schools in like Howard. It's a private institution. And we know it Howard's expensive and getting through Howard is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially if you don't have the resources to get through Howard. So him making it like a free tuition, especially for the household that some people in these institutions do exist because it is wealth in the black community that is like, you, we know, under, we understand that. But on um, the point is like, I definitely think it'll help in that regard, but to your point, I, it, sh- it is more that he needs to be doing. Yeah. This we, is not, like, this we, is like the bare minimum to me. Yeah, this is the bare minimum. And I think we like, uh, and the issue at HUCs is resources. Um, and I think like even the second point of like forgiving all federal student loan debt, like, I mean, I'm not really, I, I, I guess I support it in the grand scheme of things, but I don't really support the half federal and then not private. Like if you're going to do it when it comes to like student yeah. loans and forgiving it, I think it should be across the board. That's, not a, just that's another conversation too right so, there. You yeah. Know how right now the government has the freeze on like private loans and public loans are still taxed and they still got the interest on it. Like, oh, yeah. Do you mean to reverse that? That, well, yeah, I, I sure. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, um, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they still collect it for private. I was about to be specific. <laughs> Sally May still taxing her little interest, but like Nailnet and the government contractors, they're not like all of that stuff on hold. So, like that right there, that that little thing, because like you can for real pay your loan off, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I I think think he can do better. 
Yeah, I mean, I think before we go on to the next thing, I think, like Jameson said, like, it's all about how are you able to market it? Because you can have a good plan, but if you can't describe it, it doesn't, or why it's needed, it kind of falls on deaf ears. So as we knew, as we know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, civil rights icon John Lewis passed away. Um, <laughs> I was just about, when is he picking his VP? Any any day Ooh, now. Oh, any day now. Probably day right now. before the convention. Any yeah. day, August thirtieth. Yeah. So. Do we feel a type of way about him not actually attending in person, or is that like towards? No, no that's no. just the. Uh, I mean, I guess he we did. could have kind of assumed that that was gonna happen because of this right, right. stuff. Um, yeah, but I think as as far as announcing VP, definitely next week or the week after. But okay. I just wanted to like you know put that together. Uh, within in, within seven days, we'll know. I won't be shocked if we know like by Monday because that's like a good yeah. news day to like. Pick we want to bid on who? We just don't keep moving. Uh, yeah, Susan, let's let's just Susan Rice. go around. Who do we think? Who do Susan we? Susan Rice. Jamison, go first. Oh, who you already said who, who do we know? think or want? That's I guess it. both, both, yeah. yeah. All right, I know it's only like a 2% chance, but I think Pramila Jayapal or Barbara Lee. Yeah, that's not be, happening. I, I know, but I just think that would be <laughs> like. Okay, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Never the mind. Left, I think that's who you should well, That is who um, you want. Good, good point. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't really, honestly, I'll be honest. Um who i would want i don't know who i would want because i really don't know mo most most of them besides like kamala but who i really think he's going to do is probably kamala i'm a guess but i wouldn't I, I wouldn't mind bass though i think that would be a good wild card but i mean i really don't know i'll be shocked either way yeah i think i feel the same way like i definitely think he's going to pick kamala how how they've been like working together it kind of seems that way um, but I just can't see Kamala like taking a back seat. I feel like she just gonna be like, okay, this I can is see her doing it. My strategy I for think she I did a conspiracy it. idea. I know I'm a little hotel, baby hotel. Can I my my little thing? I think picking Kamala is like I think me and Noah talked about this. We might have talked about it on the podcast to where like she's gonna be the front runner for like 2024. That's one, and then two. I mean, we clearly see this man might be struggling with dementia, so so like. She can get the job done. And God, please, like, reporters, I might have put something out there wrong. This is just, like, a silly, like, gift of him. But we clearly see that he gets on camera and forgets his words and all that. So I... It's old. Yeah, he just, oh, you know what I'm saying? He's straight. Dementia was a joke. I apologize. That's a serious, like, accusation. Yeah. I take that. I retract that. But, yeah, um... He he, I I think picking Kamala is a smart thing because she can we know we can trust her to get the job done, but we don't like her to be the front runner. Like it's it covers up a little bit. In I I actually I want him to pick Kamala. I actually think if the smart choice for him is probably picking Susan Rice because Susan Rice is the least averse person. Yeah, and Kamala does come with risk. The first question, if I was a reporter, you called this man a racist and said that he segregated yeah, you from right. going to it. How do I would just be like, roll the clip. Yeah, like, roll, roll the clip. clip. Or the democracy. Yeah. All, all uh, the Republicans in the Senate did the same thing for Trump. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what I was yeah. going to say. And then on top of that, that, people were suggesting that he pick uh, what kind of leases. So, like, that's like... Susan Rice to me is a smart choice only because it, it's just, she's Susan Rice and there's no risk there. But I mean, that's, that's fine. Um, Henry, that was a good that was a good 
topic to bring up. Um, so as I was saying, a couple weeks ago, civil rights icon John Lewis passed away. He was key in the civil rights battles of the 60s, including the Freedom Rise, the Voting Rights March to Montgomery, Alabama, and he was the youngest speaker at the March on Washington at 23. Um, I really don't want to cover what Trump said and mainly focus on John Lewis. So kind of like, what are your, especially Jameson, like for someone who's in the movement and organizing and doing all this activism now, what should we take away for, from not only his life, his activism, but also kind of his continued uh, fight for justice? What, what's kind of like your main takeaway um, from kind of everything that we've seen these past couple weeks? I mean, I think uh, the best way to honor John Lewis is to uh, emulate what he was about, emulate what made him famous, emulate like the cause of, of justice that he uh, fought and sacrificed uh, so hard for. As you said, like he was an organizer from the age of 17 and, <laughs> and by the time he was 23, he was six years in, had already started the Southern uh, Nonviolent, I'm sorry, the Students Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. And that did great things. It was great on the ground activism and like, almost all political revolutions, they all happen from the, uh, the youngest people in society that like are fed up with the status quo, are fed up the way the things they are, and said, the way we uh, will get older will not be the way we grew up. And that we should uh, take away from like someone who was on the ground and active, but then also someone who didn't betray their values, didn't betray their morals, was still advocating, not just participation in democracy through voting, but also advocate advocating like the true embodiment of democracy. And that is at all time holding your leaders accountable. That is at all times saying that I, as, uh, as one of the 332 million Americans, have one out of 332 million choice in what we say happens in society. And not letting that be uh, taken away from you, even if they try to take it away from felony disenfranchisement in Florida, or they want to say that uh, you're undocumented because you don't have this piece of paper, you don't have the right to control or have any say over the laws that govern your body. So uh, I just say that, you know, we should still be active. We should still be out there. I hear that. You're not sitting there down there. Ted talk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the part of John Lewis, though, because he had hit me up. Because <laughs> uh, I had posted a picture. Who hit you uh, up? Yeah, you just went in blind. <laughs> My man. I mean, it was like a thought out loud, and I was going to explain it. My man. Uh, Jameson responded to one of my stories on Instagram where I posted like Barack and uh, John Lewis hugging. And I'm like, I gotta get this framed in the crib. Uh, and then they, it's another photo of them like actually re-imitating like the Bloody Sunday, which John Lewis led. Uh, but yeah, he responded and it was just interesting to hear like his thought pattern behind it. Cause it was like, well, you know, Obama didn't necessarily stand for black. It, it was, it, I was just having a moment right there. But yeah, John Lewis, uh, it was cool to say that I met him like in person. He's a member of my fraternity, Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. <laughs> uh, and not to like gas nothing, but it's members like him, like, you know what I'm saying, that inspired me to join the fraternity because of the work they've done in the black community to help progress us. Like, like Jameson said, these they were young, like 16, 17, 20, 21, 23. Like they were young doing this stuff. And like, I think the thing that's most inspiring about his life and we should take from it, especially in this generation, our age group is like, again, they were doing this while they were young. And we always be like, oh, my ancestors this and we're better, whatever. 
And it's like, well, what are you really doing for the movement? Like, what are you doing to help black people progress in this society? And again, what Jameson said, he never bent on that moral, that value of like helping black people progress. That that was what he stood for and he did. He he didn't care by any means. This man took so many beatings, jailed so many times, like put his life in harm's way. Uh, so to me, that means a lot. And to say, I, like I, I shook his hand and stood in his presence, I'm honored, honestly. Uh, yeah, like when I like it was crazy because like yeah, it, it, yeah, it's crazy. Mackenzie, um, I think him and CT Vivian, who we lost, um, right, the yeah. same day almost. Right, yeah. Same, same time. Period. Yeah, same time. Same time. I think it's like what I think. Like what I really took away from at least John Lewis himself is like the fact that like I didn't know that he was so young like 23 and I guess like us being that age or like around that age and stuff and just knowing like how much he accomplished at such a young age it kind of like built like put a fire in me like there's so much more that we can really be doing you know like there's so much more that you really can be doing with your life and like for your people and stuff so I'll always have respect for him and CT Vivi everyone like a part of that and what's really crazy about that is that one when they passed away like I was like you know going down a hole and looking at old pictures and stuff and just to think like almost I think it's just Jesse Jackson that's left from that circle. Yeah, it's not many. Or, it's yeah. not many. So just to think that most of them from that era have passed away already is so important for it's us. I nobody now thinking about it because, again, to the point of, like, I think I was watching some interview where, uh, oh, the little girl, not the little girl, Portia from, like, The Real Housewives. Um, her grandfather mm-hmm. is Hosea Williams, who also yeah. in that circle. Uh, and she was saying basically how like she's scared because all of our leaders like our forefathers of civil rights they're gone and they never got to like necessarily pass the baton and like uh you know what i'm saying like al sharpton and martin luther king martin luther king Junior's son is skeptical of like impact, especially because we're in a pandemic. And then two is like, I don't personally hear much from the son. So it's like, how do you just come out in your father's shadow now to say, oh, I'm here for the movement? It's because you have that older. I mean, like, you have the right. To, that's what I'm saying. I've never really heard of the work that he's done to where it's like, it's making impactful change. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't really understand or know the impact it's going to make. It's like, like with those two people putting it or organizing it. Well, I'll say this. I think it's important for us to realize that the movement is not going to look like what it was in the past. Yeah, I think the movement time. of what we're like, what it is. Cause I'll say like Gen Z and like even our generation, or I, I hate to group ourselves in millennials. Cause we're like millennials, such like we're a big, right. we're like, in yeah, the, we're like at the, we're tip like the, end, of the yeah. millennial. Yeah. Um, so like Gen Z and like our generation, I, it's just, it's just going to look different. Is it good? Are we going to have like a Martin Luther King or a John Lewis or like, are we going to have like, figures in themselves no but I think the collectiveness of like using social media and rallying Mm -hmm. behind as like more of a collective movement I think is something that's just different so I don't want us to be like you know necessarily pass the torch because I just think that the movement is just completely different now because of just 
the technology that we have. That's fair to say. No, that's facts. And I think one thing that needs to be said is that, um, you know, John Lewis was there when the Voting Rights Act of 1965 was passed, and that needs to be restored. And I think that Congress can do all this talking about how they want to honor his life. Like, the way to do it's right there. And until they actually allow Black people to have automatic voter ID, to not get their voter ID laws stripped away or have felony restrictions, that's the work that needs to be done. And the fact that Nancy Pelosi and members of Congress haven't already gotten that through, I think that's a real disgrace. So I think that's something that, you know, we all need to just make sure that they're honest on because it's not that hard. It's that's that like hard. a subtopic of something we, I think we brought up in a group of how, not, well, yeah, celebrities and people in the limelight or whomever choose to like say they stand behind somebody or rally behind somebody. But when it's time for you to actually like put that support up, they're not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So the biggest news that happened today on Thursday, August 6th, was the Attorney General and uh, Jameson's fellow Howard alum uh, for, of the law school. Uh, Letitia James filed a lawsuit against the National Rifle Association following an 18-month investigation that found the organization is fraught with a fraud and abuse. Uh, the Attorney General James, uh, her wish, if she gets her wish, is actually to dissolve the NRA entirely. Her investigation found that uh, the NRA had financial misconduct in the millions of dollars that contributed to the loss of more than $64 million over three years. I was kind of on what Mackenzie tweeted earlier, like, Black women, y'all just take the grab the baton and just run laps ahead. Um, but Jameson, as a current Howard Law student and the kind of legal mind of the group, do you have any kind of thoughts on the case? or kind of what's been unfolding with this, because I'm excited, like, down with the NRA. That needs to be the talking point. I won't get too excited, but go ahead, uh, no, uh, uh, Jameson. Um, a famous professor of uh, Howard University School of Law, Charles Hampton Houston, said, as a lawyer, you're, uh, you're either one of two things. You're either a parasite on society, or you're a social engineer. And, you know, the uh, Howard University School of Law create, tries to create social engineers, and that's what you call social engineering there. That is what you call being a prosecutor actually for the people, a prosecutor to protect people, not to protect corporate interests and protect power. And uh, what she is doing there is, is unique in the fact of like what all prosecutors do. Everything else that uh, a corporation would do is they just ask for a fine. Oh, you stole $68 million, then pay a $3 million fine. But she actually wants the dissolvation of an instant, the, uh, the dissolving of an institution that's big, that's huge, that's structural. That's something that'll last for years and it'll ensure the action isn't repeated instead of what most prosecutors would go for, which is a fine that gets paid off and you get a tax write off for it and you start doing it again next week. So I just, you know. That's it. I think intricacy of it because this is going to last for years and is she going to actually dissolve it? And I don't want to be that pessimistic person, but. It's a big task. It's yeah. a big task. It's a big task, but at least she's doing it. And she's no, that's that's yeah. uh -huh. I, I, she's going for the like bigger pot theory, where she's probably grouping several people named in like the uh, defendants and yeah, like the CEOs and like all the executives are like specific. That's how that's gonna play out. Uh, I definitely hope she like you know gets to go up the rank uh, and. Honestly, she'll be able to set some type of precedent to where somebody else could come up and pick up 
like we said, passing every time, pick it up, do some investigating and like continue that work to eventually dissolve or disband or whatever, because the NRA is very dangerous. <laughs> it's dangerous, man. And it needs to just go away. Like the NRA is notoriously racist. Like, and I think that this is just also a testament of like, prosecutors like 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 jameson said for the people like you know i feel like with it's kamala was a, pro, was a prosecutor right he was. Yeah. He was. and i feel like like people kind of just using her as an example like people kind of use her and like use the title prosecutor as like that's bad and you can't possibly be like a good prosecutor or whatever but it's definitely possible so i just i'm just really excited to see how far that this goes because like like we already just said like the fact of her trying to dissolve them and not just sue and like get them to pay the money back or whatever. I think that that's really like, she's putting her neck out there. And I really hope that, you know, other local heads and like political officials or whatever can really support her because the NRA, I mean, before this years before, like the NRA, I just feel like has just been a thorn, like has always been an issue. And I just would love to see like some serious action happen, whether it be completely dissolved or like lessen their rights or whatever, but they just like, I'm just excited to see where she takes this. And to your point though about black women, um, like holding it down, black women are tired. Why did it have to take her to do this? Cause I feel like after this, especially if the NRA is as notoriously racist as they are, this woman's probably gonna get death threats. She's probably going to get a lot of heat from this. And I hate that it had to be a black woman to take all of this on because I know it's probably yeah. going to be hell for her. Like, I think, I think that's the interesting point is that I think she's kind of, she's the one pushing the ball forward, but also falling on the sword of like, yeah. I'm going to be the, the boogeyman to these Republicans. But like you said, that means that everyone else needs to like step up. Like Henry, like I know yeah. you were excited that the, that the DC attorney general Carl Racine he hopped on like yeah so clearly people need to like not only be like hey we support you but like no we're we're coming after that ass too publicly yeah publicly like, stick their necks out with her yeah like black women and all of this or whatever like if you think about like top prosecutors i can't think of the um, lady name in chicago but you definitely have like maryland mayor mosby in baltimore and then there's a few more around the country that are actually doing like real-time work um, to actively change the black community, so Larry Krasner, right? Uh, Philly. Yeah, Philly, yeah, yeah, right. Philly. yeah. Krasner too, uh, up in Philadelphia. So it's like a lot of people that are actually you just gotta look out for it a little bit because it, it doesn't always make national news, and then when it does, it kind of like get washed to the back of your brain. Uh, so you, you do gotta like show kudos to that, and I hope a lot of them pay attention to this and figure out what they can do in their particular city, um, which is why I kind of am like, like ah, Carl Racine, uh, he's a cool dude, but uh, yeah, like I'm glad that he hopped on, and maybe that'll like start some type of you know, something, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, are catching on it, attempting to try to tackle the problem with her, yeah. Boom. Nah, so since we have Jameson on and we, you already talked about your great work uh, with the Sunrise Movement, we're kind of going to pivot and kind of get into kind of more of your work there. Um, you already kind of described what your work was when you first kind of gave the intro. Um, so I'll ask, like, you've been involved in a lot of the climate activist protests and the civil rights protests and the police brutality protests. 
Um, obviously, like the protest has been this big inflection point for the nation and kind of grappling with all of these issues. But, you know, we've been doing that for, you know, as we talked about with John Lewis for over 50 years, what's kind of that next step that you see as an activist of like, we did the protest, what's that next step to you in terms of actually achieving, you know, all of the calls that you all, especially at the Sunrise Movement, are demanding for? Well, I, I believe you could do uh, anything with the, with the power of organization and uh, mobilization. So I, I, I see, you know, protesting as, as, a, as a secular thing, as a circular thing, as in it's, it's always going to be a rise and flow, ebbs and flows. And I feel the next step is, is more of the same of what we've been doing and then figuring out what is the most effective ways to levers of power. I feel... Uh, uh, where is enfranchised now and the only and best place to uh, affect the democratic process is at the ballot box. While the ballot box is important, we also have to recognize the limitations of the ballot box. And that comes from especially the, the role that finances and large money interests play in politics. If you want to be a senator, it costs millions of dollars. How would you going to be a grassroots politician senator that uh, believes in things section and ending imperialist wars all over the country? Like that only happens through a, a large sum of finances that a lot of working class people don't have to give. And because of that money, uh, the power is skewed towards those who have money, like the defense industry, the pharmaceutical industry, the fossil fuel industry, which uh, the Sunrise Movement that I'm a part of is, is, is uh, sworn to try to defeat. And uh, this, the way we could do it is, is get involved, get involved in, in local activism around you. All politics are local. Uh, here in D.C., there are very good organizations. Shout out to the D.C. Tenants Union, the uh, D.C. chapter of the NAACP, the D.C. chapter of DSA, the D.C. chapter of Extinction Rebellion. Uh, a lot of these, some, some more institutional, some more free-forming, leaderful, not leaderless, but leaderful, uh, grassful, grassroots movements are, are on the ground organizing power in Seattle. They uh, held a Seattle Autonomous Zone in one of the abandoned uh, police precincts for, I believe, a week. And now Seattle has had a majority, a veto-proof majority of the Seattle City Council pledged to defund the Seattle police budget by 50%, and they've already voted to take all of Seattle police out of schools. The, the power of protest movement are, is something that I feel is being reawakened now in this generation. And uh, I can't wait to see the, as it expands and the increased involvement as an See, just working classes, people power grow. And as their power grows, the, the benefits that they're able to uh, gain from society will grow as well. Yeah. Um, so as the election approaches, I feel like, you know, obviously, um, you know, the coronavirus and whatever Trump says on a daily basis is going to dominate the national news or whatever slip up Biden says that day is also going to dominate the national news. So like, as someone who is working on behalf of, you know, the Sunrise Movement and Climate and there's also that nuance that, you know, how climate affects minority communities is not often talked about. Um, is there a specific kind of issue within the Sunrise Movement or just in general, personally, that you want to get more attention among, you know, the press, you know, congressional candidates, the president, or even like just on the ground locally? Is there a kind of like an issue that you feel that needs to be adjusted with just haven't gotten any attention? 
Well, uh, I mean, I, this is going to be the obvious answer, but of course, I, climate change and climate justice. Uh, since May, the, the reporting of, of climate change has, is since May in 2020, has had 29% less reporting on climate change from May 2019, which uh, journalists, uh, fact checkers have, have confirmed that. And I mean, we're, we're talking about the pandemic, but what we do a lot of times in American culture, especially American media and press, they, they never give context. They never give context of what this pandemic is and where it comes from. And this pandemic comes from the things that the Sunrise Movement is trying to fight. What, what is at the basis of uh, the carbon economy and fossil fuel extraction is the desire for always more and more resources and more and more consumption. The, uh, they say that the coronavirus is a zoologist disease, a zoological disease, which means that it came from us encroaching on habitats of, of animals that used to live peacefully in the wild and shared microbes with each other and uh, isn't harmful to them. But when humans come in contact with them, it can be harmful to us and transform into a virus, a virus that is shutting down the world's economy and killing hundreds of thousands of people. And that is directly linked to the systems of extraction of, uh, of climate uh, racism, of, of climate injustices that the Sunrise Movement seeks to, seeks to fight and abolish. And as what you said for environmental racism, as I said, Sunrise is a climate justice organization. What that means is uh, justice is what love looks like in public. And for your loved ones, you will not sit behind while your loved ones are exploited. You will not sit behind while your loved ones is uh, taken over by an occupying army as what's happening right now in Palestine. You will not sit by as democratically elected governments are uh, overthrown by, by your government, like what is happening in Bolivia. So we have to, so like a climate justice organization, international one, is one that just has love for all people. And uh, wants the, the same for them, the same prosperity for them as that you would want for yourself. And that's why Sunrise really uh, enforces in the Green New Deal to make sure it is an anti-racist piece of legislation, a piece of legislation that writes the, the racist wrongs, that writes the wrongs of Superfund sites being put in black communities, lead paints being used to, to paint uh, households in urban communities. The uh, places like Cancer Alley where all of the fossil fuel waste is sent and people have a lifespan of 60 years because of uh, the increased poison in the environment. And then what we're doing to, to people international, what we're doing to other people's countries when we uh, go and take and destroy the ecology to extract these fossil fuels. I love it. Um, thank you for that beautiful answer. Um, <laughs> a lot of, lot of nuggets in there. Um, now we're going to get into the heads up and I will let our resident um, entertainment expert Henry Woods take this one. So a record number of black actors were nominated for the 2020 Emmys, making up 34% of the nominees. That's still not good enough, but we're gonna take it as is. Uh, these nominations included Zendaya for Euphoria and Regina King for The Watchmen. Henry, not only plug your weekly IG live, uh, but also what's what, did you have any kind of big takeaways from oh. you know, your, your brand of entertainment? Mm -hmm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? If y'all be on IG, tune in. I did this uh, movie review. It's, uh, it's on live, Last King Henry. But, um, yeah, like, this is cool, but, like, I really think it's performative, and this might be, like, a, uh, to y'all, but I think it's performative, especially with, like, the times now, because all the great work that Black people have done, and no shade to what's going on now, because it's still great work, but it's, like, 
why now? And then on top of that, like some of the stuff I don't personally agree with or like they were just doing just to do, cause like Pose for instance, like none of the like transgender people got nominated. Yeah, I saw that, right. That's weird because like, Dude that got nominated is not the best actor on that show. Yeah, everyone well, says like Angelica Ross is like the best one on the drive. Right, yeah. so it's weird to, it's just weird to see, especially because what, the Emmys and Oscars and all these big Academy Awards or whatever have been under fire for the last, what, couple years of like being more inclusive and all that. So it's like, I hope whomever the board is, is actually writing rules and regulations to change how voting is. So like this continues to happen. And it's not just happening like right now because of the times and what's going on in America. Everybody wants to be like Black Lives Matter, which we, you know, what I'm saying we love to support. We'll take it. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're really gonna support and enact change, you need to actually ensure that it's a policy in place that kind of continues the same momentum. Mackenzie, how say you? What I just want Regina King to get her flowers. That's all I really care about. Should have got big flowers. Um, I think like everything what Henry said, but I think it's also important for like all of this stuff to like be happening behind the camera too. Like, yeah. like just like going off of like everything that's happening with like Ellen and that show and stuff. Mm-hmm. Not to say that we, I, I never assumed that it was diverse or like, I kind of always thought Ellen looked a little crazy, but um, <laughs> but it's just like, it's important that it's just things behind the camera, the work environment, yeah. the people who are actually putting together these shows, who's putting together, like who's in the writer's room, who's actually yeah. directing. Producers, makeup. Producers, casting, yeah. like that matters too. So I hope that all of these people, you know, get their flowers and stuff. But off the, on the post thing, I thought it was very interesting. Like last year, Billy Porter, it was like a clip of him on the red carpet after oh, he yeah. I know what you're yeah, talking about um, this is a win for all or whatever. But I guess back then or last year, it's like, I, I mean, I guess. Which is not incorrect, but yeah, it's, it's not, not the inclusive answer you need. <laughs> yeah, it's not. And now looking at it, it's kind of like, no, it's okay. obviously like this is a heteronormative um yeah win for him and i hate to I, and it's it does suck though like i will say it sucks when you are in that in that situation where it's like i want to enjoy my win but i also have to put on and be inclusive for my cast members and stuff but it's just like it's it's it's, it's so obvious that i feel like billy come on now like you should right, yeah well that, that one answer. better yeah yeah goes to so, the yeah. today's show how much you're willing to sacrifice for the progress of your people yeah. Boom. Tagline. Got yeah. it. Come on, writer. So the next topic I specifically want to engage uh, Jameson on. So on Tuesday, uh, Corey Bush defeated longtime incumbent uh, Rep. William Lacey Clay uh, for a seat in the House, which represents St. Louis. She is Shout a- out to St. Louis. Do that. Uh, <laughs> Bush is a former nurse who became a Black Lives Matter activist following the murder of Michael Brown. Um, Jameson, I'm, I'm assuming that you're ecstatic about this since this is someone who was on the ground doing the work and is now going to be a member of Congress, which means one more progressive vote, one more vote who's not going to just kind of take the, we should do this, but kind of push more. Uh, this is good, right? Super ecstatic. Oh, my gosh. And of course, Cory Bush uh, was endorsed by the Sunrise Movement. Uh, we made over 150,000 calls for her collectively. And uh, you better do that. Work. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. 
And yeah, just just excited to get more progressives in Congress. And like, you know what I mean? She was the first Justice Democrat. And now she finally gets her flowers uh, and, and is finally there. Like, oh my gosh, it's going to be just amazing in Congress. As, as, uh, as AOC says, the squad keeps getting bigger. Yeah. And soon I'm, I'm envisioning well, a progressive caucus. About it. That's what's beautiful. I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's what's beautiful about it. Like, this, oh, it really is. It's, it's great. Yes. Bigger, bigger. And this is what I, we do. What's really going, we inform the people, let y'all know, make them calls. Give me a manly advantage, y'all. But I also think this goes to the point of like, I mean, I don't remember when John Lewis became, well, I, obviously I don't remember because I'm yeah, alive. But um, the fact that it is getting bigger and like the squad yeah. is getting bigger. So I do think it's important for us to like know that the movement might not look the same as like Martin Luther King and them, but like there are more progressive people coming into seats of power. So we just have to hope that they know what they're doing and use it to the best of their ability. Nah, boom. And keep pressuring them after they get elected. That's, that's the thing. Yeah, don't don't yeah. let anyone feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the last thing that we have, uh, the United States, this is probably a topic that we're going to talk about a lot as the election gets closer. Uh, the United States Postal Service is recommending voters request their mail-in ballots as early as possible and send them as soon as you get them. Um, concerns are growing that uh, due to COVID, naturally everyone's in the house and no one wants to take their butt and vote. So I just sent in my application to get my mail-in ballot. Oh, yeah, you just reminded me. Let me go put it up. Yes, please do. I mean, in a nutshell, this is probably going to be a real hot mess. It's going to be a mess. You yeah. know they're about to suppress us. Right. And so, my vote is Georgia. Be nice to your local, your local, be nice to your local mailman. I had, I had to reel myself in because I lost the package a couple weeks. Well, I didn't lose the package. They lost my package. And I had to reel myself in because I know that they're going through it. But yeah, like it, it especially with it's this, bad. And I, it's bad. Um. And I really feel like Trump is going to do everything he can to make sure yeah. that it goes in his favor because, I mean, why wouldn't you in this right. situation? So the biggest thing that he's now trying to do is that um, a lot of the postal worker service workers that they would normally get overtime, but now the Trump administration is saying, we're basically going to cut your overtime so you're not going to get incentivized financially to stay, so you're not going to. And as everyone is sending in mail in ballots, the system's going to be over flooded. And some states like they know Georgia. what they're doing. Like this, this be the funny thing about like Trump and his people. Like the figurehead is stupid, but yeah. his little behind him, they know what exactly they what they're doing. And like for people like Henry and in other states, specifically in the South, get your mail-in ballots in because they a lot of states will not accept your mail-in ballot if it comes on election day. It has to come before, which is discriminatory like, as it is. But I suggest everyone go to this website. It's votesaveamerica.com slash b dash a dash voter slash. That's the best place to for to get information on where to get signed up, for how to know where your mail-in ballot is, for where to send it. So just keep on that because that's you can't follow that link because that was kind of long though. Just go. I'll tweet it out, but I for those listening, work does it too. Yeah, votesaveamerica.com. Everyone should go on that website because we need to not only get Trump out, but we need a Democratic Senate. You know what we we're dealing with, guys? Think about the long term. Yeah. Think about the long term, please. We we know this man. He ain't it. 
he he not the top nothing. But listen, we know what we gotta do. Like for real, you better than your ancestors. Your ancestors die for you to make this vote for real. If you want to be for real, for real. Preach. Yeah. Uh, so on that note, that is the end of our episode. Uh, Jameson, we thank you for coming on. Do you want to plug anything that you have going on or the Sunrise Movement or something that we should be aware of that you all are kind of cooking up or your efforts in relationship to the election? Well, um, yeah, as I said, all the great organizations I mentioned, DSA, DC Tenants Union, Sunrise, get involved, search around, shop around with uh, which organization you feel is it best aligns with you and your values and and definitely join it. And also, like, there's going to be a lot of movement in the next two months, especially around D.C., around actions against uh, fighting evictions. 28 million Americans are facing mm, evictions yeah, between now and flag. December. Yeah. And uh, we're really trying to fight against that. So uh, keep eyes out. Keep watching social media. Uh, you can follow Sunrise Move in D.C. Uh, on, on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, just, just keep your eyes peeled and, and, and feed on the streets. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jameson, we thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom, your knowledge. Uh, so you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WRGOPod. You can also subscribe and watch on YouTube, where we will all be. You can also subscribe, listen, comment, share on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Henry, you got something to say? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to wait till you cut it up. Okay. And so that's episode number 55. We appreciate you for listening. Jameson, thank you once again for joining us. Peace.